0: the journal hunting is one of the best conservation tools we have the journal is a hunting podcast that covers the ethics history and culture of hunting in africa and south africa alike my name is dylan love i'm the founder of ph journals my brand was created to spread awareness why hunting is one of the best conservation tools we have to offer so if ethical and sustainable hunting is what you're looking for well then you have come to the right place Hey guys and welcome yet to another podcast uh, of The Journal. Um, Exciting episode ahead and exciting for a specific reason. Scullies have come on board as the main sponsor for The Journal podcast for 2023 and the rest of this year. Scullies is an innovative idea made purely based on conservation um, at heart. And I'm proud to be associated with such an incredible brand and just to create awareness for all the new things that can possibly come of this. It's such a great initiative. So these are little 3D model, 1 6th one of the size, uh, 1 sixth scale um, of these. They're the resin printed uh, 3D models of original skulls that have been taken. Um, Scully's team have invested a lot of money in a 3D scanner, so these are original skulls that you guys see here today. If you guys would like to find out more, I will be putting this link in the description. Use my um, discount code PHJ10 uh, for 10% discount shipping all over South Africa at the moment, and hopefully in the early stages of 2023, we will be abroad. Um, this is such a great, great, great product to be involved with, um, and. Yeah, sky's the limit at this point. Um, so big shout out to Scully's, the whole team, Doug, everybody, Kelly, everyone Pierre that's been involved with this development and this brainstorm, uh, I call it a little bit of a brain fart, um, is really, guys, it's it's such a, a privilege and honor to be involved with such things. Uh, you've got the Big Five Collection, Spiral Horn Collection, Small Collection, Planes Game Collection. Such a great way for stocking fillers, uh, for gifts uh, to your kids and just to spread awareness. Uh, so big shout out to Scully's. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited for the future. So we will hopefully have one of the team members on board uh, with the podcast in the next couple of days uh, where we can launch this properly as a, as a main sponsor. But I, I feel honored and truly blessed to be a part of this. So thank you so much. Well guys. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. So guys, like mentioned before, big shout out to Scully's. That's one of the main developments coming out of uh, the the journal podcast uh, in the past couple of weeks. As far as I'm concerned, PH Journals, there's been a couple of questions that have come onto my social media platforms, as well as I've just finished a live on TikTok um and yeah what an interesting interesting time it is to be a hunter to be a professional hunter and uh one of the one of the questions and i'm going to dive straight into it was asked how to become a professional hunter well guys firstly to link up with the correct schools um correct institutions if you guys would like to find out more about this um, I would like to get affiliated with a couple of schools out there. So if you guys would like to find out more, hit me up on any one of my social media platforms. I'll get more involved um, in depth uh, for searching for you guys um, as regards to this, um, because I think that's probably one of the most important things is linking with the, with the correct school. But before that, there is a step. Um, there's two steps to it. <clears throat> Firstly, You've got to identify why do you want to become a professional hunter. If it's for the lifestyle, I don't recommend you getting into it. Um, I just think that the lifestyle isn't ideal for for what you think it is. It's a great way of looking at things, but it's not, it's not the best way. It's not the best reason for you to get involved as a professional hunter if you're looking for the lifestyle of it. However, differently, if you're looking to become a conservationist, to preserve and conserve the wonderful wildlife we have, um, to look after it, to understand that you have got an obligation as a professional hunter that every time you step in the bush you are making the correct call not only for the species not only for that particular herd not only for that hunter but for generations to come you have an obligation to live up to so understand that these are huge criteria that you have to carry on your shoulders carry every single day as a professional hunter so that is the main reason why i will get into it obviously um the, main re- the other main reason is, is to provide food, um, ethical food for your family. So guys, those are the questions you need to ask yourself before, um, and then once you found the school, um, before doing any sort of PH course, uh, I would recommend you guys going out, finding an institution, finding a game farm, an outfitter, uh, a reserve, um, anything like that, that will take you in as a skivvy. Offer your camera services, Um, try and just get in and and do as much hunting as possible um, with other guards with other ph's with other hunters so you can see what it's all about you can interact with people um, and and just understand what the whole industry is all about and then take that step understand that if that is what you want understand the lifestyle understand the importance of conservation take that into the next step into your school (coughs) excuse me and then take it from there and move forward and become the best possible professional hunter that you can be for this wonderful industry and for our wildlife. So, um, yeah, that's how I will get into it. And then once you've done those steps, look at rifles, look at bows, look at niches and niches in the market. It's, it's an incredible time to be a PH because there are so many niches at the moment. There's guys that are specializing in bow hunting. There's guys that are specializing in long-range shooting. There's guys that are specializing in biltong hunting. There's just so many branches that you can develop in this specific situation, um, which I think is very, very important for the future to come. So yeah, that's the exciting part about it, is that understanding that you're going to be able to figure out your niche. If you're a good bow hunter, by all means, stick to bow hunting. I mean, that's what you're going to love to do. So, yeah, and that's how I will go about doing it. Um, The way I've approached it, and I've always considered this as the the less... um, formal way of going about things i approached it from a brand awareness point of view i believe that if i created a brand strong enough um, i would be able to spread why hunting is our best conservation tool that's been my motto that's been my 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 lifelong need and want for this industry is to understand that it's you know hunting fortunately or unfortunately whichever way you look at it is by far the best conservation tool we have to offer and like i mentioned in my live like i've mentioned in a couple of videos before hunting is instilled in any one of us you can't get rid of it it's it's in our gene it's a primal instinct and whether you like it or not you're born with it it's going to be there for generations to come. You're not gonna be able to get rid of it. And what does it mean to be a hunter? Well, it's the pursuit, the pursuit of, of living, the pursuit of food, um, making sure you understand that you've got to put food on the table every single day. And the only way you're gonna do that is through the means of hunting. Uh, you, somebody always said to me, and, and it was such an interesting, uh, not an argument, discussion we had was that you put a homeless man uh, without anything, our clothes, with our food, without anything on the street, and he's always going to make a plan. He's always going to make a plan to live because your survival instinct kicks in, and part of your survival instinct is hunting. So it's a gene that we'll never get, we'll never get rid of. As hard as we want to try, we'll never get rid of it. So it's a pursuit of the animal. It's a pursuit of hunting those specific animals. And then killing is the least favorite part about it. But here's the interesting thing about it. not all animals you can eat, so you're not fulfilling that that gene requirement, but but because us as humans have created these false ecosystems that thanks to land encroachment, thanks to overpopulization, um, thanks to poisons, thanks to um, you know f- mass farming mass slaughters, all these sort of things, wars, um, nuclear bombs, all these sort of things that have forced us into these managerial positions of these ecosystems. We have to physically monitor and manage these ecosystems going forward. And the only way we can do that, in in my personal opinion, is fire hunting. And that's why I say it's the best conservation tool, because you're putting out value on the animal number one so those animals have got value so they can't just go and wipe out if the farmer believes they've got more value having those animals there you can't go and put up a shopping mall they're not going to allow you because they're going to get more money from the animal or animals uh, in this case so yeah guys that's that's my stand on this whole thing and this is where i feel so strongly about it is that um that's where we've got to understand the conservation is at this particular time so, um, yeah, as far as a PH is concerned, that's, that's the big picture that you're looking at. That's your message. You have to get out there to your clients and understand that this is what we're doing. So, you know, for me, um, it's been an interesting ride. Uh, like I said a little bit earlier, um, the lifestyle for me as a professional hunter has started catching up on me. I'm getting a lot older um i've got a daughter got responsibilities now so there's a lot of consideration that you've got to take in to account um when doing these sort of things so unfortunately it's it's limited me into the scope that i can stretch out as as a professional hunter um, and that just comes with territory so if you're a man that is gonna want to settle down and have a family and stuff really just consider all these aspects first first time round. And I'm very, very fortunate with the position I'm in, with such a strong following, um, such a strong backing from clients, previous clients, um, brands, institutions, that they back me. Uh, so my lifestyle now has sort of, from a professional hunting side, I think slowed down, but picked up in other avenues, and I'm very, very grateful for that. So um yeah the the I mean the scope the sky's the limit and you know I always call it uh, I go back to that day that I sat with that old topi and he said to me he said you know my boy 70 percent of your success in hunting is planning and the other 30 percent is luck and it's something I've always I've always referred back to but as as my time as a professional hunter taken on I've slowly realized that That 70% is actually manifestation. So manifest what you want to become in this industry. And um, I have. That's exactly what I've done. I've, I've manifested myself into this position because I believe that this is what the industry needed at this time. So don't go out there. If you've got crazy ideas, go out there. Think them through understand that whatever you think, whatever you believe is going to be a strong way forward for this industry, and, and it's got to benefit it, and if it does, by all means, go for it, and I'll be the first person that will back you, and yeah, so that's that's the interesting one, and that's that's a little bit about professional hunting um, in a nutshell. <clears throat> um, yeah, this question was actually asked a couple of times to me, but the reason why I decided to talk about it, I know I've spoken about it in the podcast before, um, is one of my goals, I've always wanted to talk about how you can manage becoming being a professional hunter and having an ordinary life as far as financial implications are concerned. I'm not yet in that position to do that, but how this was how this how this forced me into into doing this um podcast about this particular question was there was an individual from from the States actually wanting to find out about it. And for me, it was interesting because, you know, what better way to learn and to do what you love by coming over from America, um, having the financial backing, because obviously the dollar's higher um, in value than it is in the rands. Coming over, having such a positive impact, having, and, and really just stating your claim over in the industry, over this side and becoming a professional hunter, who knows, you might stay on until you're 50 years old here in South Africa, or you might just do it for five or six years, but you need to understand as well that you still have that obligation to make sure that you're you looking after the herds, you're preserving and conserving, and that, and that's, that's what you've got to live by. So no matter where you are in the world, I know there's guys that are from Norway, Denmark, Sweden, Spain, uh, the U.S. are all professional hunters. Yeah, there's a couple of them. But, you know, just understand that that that's that's your obligation. That's what you guys have got to do going forward um, as far as conservation is concerned. So, yeah, guys, that's that's it for the first question. Um, before we get into the next one, I'm just going to stop the camera um, and start recording again. Because <laughs> and we're back. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, the next question was actually asked as well. Um, and this one, this one I struggled, I really, really struggled with. And this is why I wanted Suited well on the podcast as soon as possible. But thanks to my wonderful government uh, with the load shedding as well as cables being burst here in, South, in, in Queenstown, um, our. Um, Our electricity has been coming and going, you know, ridiculous times. I mean, this week we've been off for three days straight. So it's been extremely frustrating to try and get Sue on the podcast because, you know, with with the signal, yeah, if our Skype podcast is not the greatest of quality, then, you know, it loses its effect. And Sue is such a wonderful and interesting lady. And I I really, um, I'm going to ask her this question, but I, I thought I would try and answer it as best as I possibly can. And it was brought to me by a young lady. Um, she, was, uh, she was born in Kenya. Uh, her parents later uh, moved to the United Kingdom. Uh, she's wanted to come back to do um, lion project work here in South Africa. However, it didn't quite work out. Um, so she thought that she would go against the grain and develop and try and hunt. Um, in understanding why hunting played such a crucial role in the conservation of lions and i said to her i said please when she gets the first the first thing she does when she gets off that plane in south africa she comes down to queenstown she has a, she does a podcast with me or i will fly up to her because i think this is such an incredible initiative for somebody that that's completely against hunting that's come from a country that that stopped hunting in the 70s, to to come out here now and use it as a tool to get involved with lion conservation was such a unique approach. And I, I, I want to pick her brain in why she asked that particular question. And um, yeah. so she the question was posed that how does she get involved in hunting? Well, you know as an as a as a foreigner or as an outsider number one it's definitely going to be difficult for you to get your rifle license in such a short space of time Uh, so maybe consider getting a rifle license over there or bringing a bow over or whatever the case may be or just tagging along with a professional hunter or with an outfitter there's loads of outfitters there's loads of professional hunters out there that are looking for people that are volunteers um to hold a camera, take photos, to take video footage, to do all these sort of things. And that would be a great way to start getting involved in hunting. And I looked at this and I thought, you know what? This this young lady is coming out here against the grain, against all odds from a liberal country, from non-hunting background to do hunting. Is she doing it for the right reasons? And this question I asked myself time and time again. And at some stage, I even second-guessed it. I went back onto my Instagram, I read the question again, and I just couldn't believe what I was actually hearing. And it takes so much courage for somebody to do that. And the fact that she's willing to understand that right off the bat. So I think what I would suggest to her is rifles and all that sort of stuff aside, you know, get yourself affiliated with an organization, FASA, uh, SA Hunters, uh, whatever it may be, um, and become involved with that and understand that that's going to be your platform going forward to back you in whatever obligation or legal requirements might need or might come about um, from this scenario that you're going to be tackling. Um, and then understanding also, are you coming over, are you becoming a hunter because you want to hunt lions or are you coming over because you, um, you, you want to understand a little bit more of why it was such a massive conservation uh, tool. And that, that's, that in itself is, is such a unique way of, of looking at things. So, yeah, for me, um, I would get involved with an organization first and then get involved with um, an outfitter, a professional hunter, and offer your services for free. Um, And that way you can learn a little bit more about hunting and to see why that's what you really want to do. And as far as the lion conservation is concerned, well, guys, we need to understand one thing. Putting a value on an animal, putting a value on a species is one of the most important things that we can possibly do as a human race. Like mentioned before, with land encroachment, overpopulization, poisons, all that sort of stuff, if you're valuing animals um, more than what those lands or crops can weep, you are essentially doing your part for conservation. For instance, uh, let's talk about leopard at the moment. It's an unspoken rumor in the Eastern Cape that the leopard population is growing. And this is a wonderful thing, but it's also a very, very bad thing. There are stories going around, and again, please do not quote me or write any story about this, saying that the PH Journal said this. These are just rumors that are going around. But it does, to every rumor, there is some sort of truth, and it does touch on the fundamentals of what conservation and, and the Rand dollar or the dollar value actually works. So, at the moment, there's an unspoken rumor of leopard populations growing in the Eastern Cape. And there have been sightings on game cameras and all these sort of things. Um, There's been sightings out of helicopters. Um, There's been farmers picking carcasses up out of trees or out of bushes that have been a little bit bigger than what a caracal and um, a jackal can take down. So we're valuing um, and, and however the rumor goes in that these carcasses are then being poisoned and like all cats, most cats, they always come back to feed off the re- leftover of their prey. The cats are getting poisoned. The farmers are finding these cats and they're putting in them in warthog holes. They're burying them and, and it's never to be spoken of again. Whether this is true or not, I don't have facts to back it. However, this is what I'm saying is the fundamentals of the, of the dollar valuation as far as wildlife is concerned. Let's say we value those animals at the worst case worst possible case scenario at 20,000 US dollars. At this point in time, we can say that 20,000 US dollars is 18 we go, let's call it 18 to 1 times 20. That animal is valued at 360,000 to the farmer. Uh let's take off If we had to take off profits and all that sort of stuff, um, permits, uh, conservation, dollar, all that sort of stuff. Let's say the farmer walks away with 200,000 rands from that one animal. If he is dished out um, permits to hunt, 200,000 rand would essentially buy him a good herd of cattle. If he is losing cattle, a good herd of sheep, if he's losing sheep, um, all these sort of things. It's the same as the brown hyenas in the area. We last year I, I was first-hand witness to 15 goats losing their lives in one night to a brown hyena by just crushing their skulls. That brown hyena was valued at 13,000 US dollars. However, we couldn't get a permit for it to to be hunted. Therefore, the farmer lost its livestock and 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 gave the instruction to anyone that that had spotted this thing to shoot it, throw it in the waterhole, and never to be spoken of again. So you're undermining that, fa- the, you're undervaluing that animal. You, you're you valuing 15 goats more than what that animal is actually worth. Whereas if you had to convert that, call it 180,000 Rand, that farmer would have got, he could have easily bought 15 plus more goats. So that's the basics of how this Rand dollar thing is actually working. So this leopard is probably killing, let's say worst case scenario, um one a month, so that's twelve, twelve call them heifers, calves, whatever it may be, uh sheep. Um is that's what they're killing every a year, so it's twelve twelve animals a year. Um and at at two hundred thousand Rand, they could easily, easily double their herd um from that value so they don't mind losing and and that that's the rule of thumb that's going on all over africa i mean elephants encroaching on on um on the wheat on the land you know they they destroying hectares i mean there's a massive overpopulation of elephants in botswana at the moment and they're causing massive havoc in the in the in the crop farming, and I, and I know we speak about land encroachment, but when you're a uh, subsistence farmer, when you're farming for yourself, um, you you value that land at, at, at a hell of a lot of money. And if you're losing crop on a daily basis to a massive lump of, of meat uh, that you can turn in for the rest of your village and then as well save your crop, you you're devaluing that animal. Um, whereas if that v- village got what's an elephant to hunt now in Botswana is probably upwards of seventy five thousand US dollars, call half a million rands worth of of, of profits coming into that village, um, you know, you smiling. You 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 don't mind if they go through two or three hectares or acres of, of cropland on on every every month or every second month, you know? and this is the basic that, that that's the basic fundamental about the dollar um, the hunting dollar i call it and until we understand that until individuals uh, greenpeace conservationists whatever you want to call them understand that fundamental we're just going to keep losing and unfortunately i feel that uh, we're fighting a losing battle so getting back to the leopard topic uh, how much longer is it going to take before we start giving out um, permits for leopard um, in the area? Uh, even if it's just one or two a year, um, it's still it's still creating an initiative that we we have got conservation now at our priority list um, instead of finding ways to prevent um, because we're not going to we're not we're not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I mean, leopard, um, elephant. Uh, no matter what you name it, it's just there's going to be a way that these things are going to get out. I mean, brown hyena servals. I mean, we saw a serval in the Eastern Cape for the first time in decades. So what a what a way to start off with by just putting out the initiative, saying, listen, he has he has a permit. He has one permit for conservation of the leopard uh, in the Eastern Cape, um, and we allocate this permit to the Amatola District. Let's say. And whoever gets that leopard, uh, obviously you you know the more finer print detail will come into effect, uh, male over a certain age, um, baiting, dogs, whatever the case may be, but that's irrelevant until you get the permit so. Once the permit comes in, then you can negotiate the, the final print. Um, but until that happens, we're just gonna see lawbreakers, we're gonna see people still skipping um, a crucial part of conservation, and I think that's that's an important part. So yeah, getting back to the question, um, that's what you've gotta understand that, that the hunting dollar conservation tool was all about as far as hunting is concerned. So if you wanna come over here and do the hunting part for conservation understand that those are the avenues you have to go through uh, i know there are still game farms that are physically hunting lions and are, are fully supported um, as, as crooked as that industry is and as crooked as um, it's become there's still a very very important place in the industry for it, and and I would love to have an argument against somebody that doesn't believe that, um, because I think it will be an interesting debate, and not to get heated or anything, or, or to try and prove anyone a point or anything like that, but just more just to have a discussion and and um, just understand that that you know these are the evil. One, oh, I think it was one one of my one of my friends said it to me. It was it was an evil can't remember how it went it was an evil necessity needed it was an evil need that we needed in the industry to keep these animals so yeah however you want to call it however you want to look at it that is it and um yeah for me it's such a such an important part um yeah guys so those are the two questions that were posed i had a great time on tiktok this evening Uh, i'm definitely going to be doing a lot more of that um so if you guys would follow me on the tiktok i'm going to be doing a lot of tiktok lives hopefully i'll get over to the youtube side of things as well i have my ipad set up for the next time and try and do two things um that for me was great uh yeah once again a big shout out to the scully's team um buffalo talking about elephants elephant skull, Um, yeah, head along to the website, the website I'll tag in the link below, use my discount code PHJ10 um, for 10% discount shipping all over South Africa, Uh, I'm sure the Scully's team together with the splitting image team will be in the United States in January, so if you guys would like them to bring over, just say PH Journal sent you along, send them an email and I'm sure they'll bring your order along as well, great stocking fillers, great, great way to Great little gift to give your kid, uh, your family member, your dad, or whatever the case may be. So, yeah. <clears throat> Guys, I, I've had an incredible night. Um, I just want to once again say thank you to everyone that supported me. Uh, this year has been tough, mentally, physically. I'll get into that a little bit uh, as we go along. Uh, for those of you that have supported me, thank you. Uh, it's, it's so appreciated. Um, understand that this Scully's Venture... Um, I will talk a little bit more about it but understand that the Scullies' venture will be paying towards conservation as well as this podcast um, going forward so that I can keep doing it because I love it so much and I really think that it spreads such a great awareness so if, you have, if you're watching this on YouTube hit the subscribe button, turn on the notifications. And if you enjoyed this episode, drop a thumbs up. If you're not, uh, if if you're listening to this across any other platforms, make sure you're following, make sure you're liking, make sure you're sharing. Because the more that you guys do, the better it helps me spread the awareness and carry on doing what I love. So once again, thank you so much. And um, yeah, if you are, happy hunting. Until then, stay safe, stay blessed, stay humble. We'll catch up with you guys soon. Cheers for now.